Good morning, Diesel here, downtown Aurora, doing my second favorite thing, drinking coffee. I do that every day right after I tune in to Good Rise and shine, pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews, Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 6.38 a.m. You are listening to Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Hello, everybody. It is Friday. We made it. It is the 18th of June, 2021. We've got some news, and as you know, today is the day for Jeanette's planning. We're about to go live on Facebook and YouTube here at 8 a.m. Keep tuning in. We appreciate all of our fans, listeners, and subscribers out there heck of a positive week gotta say that a lot of things happened this week and a lot more to come so uh continue to stay tuned with us we really 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 appreciate it tomorrow the 19th starting at 3 30 p.m is the freedom and heritage celebration one nation presented by the african-american men of unity this will be held at martin luther king park on farnsworth and grand uh on the east side Admission is free. There will be food, a moon jump, face painting, vendors, and even a talent contest. Be sure to join the parade. Special shouts out and thank you to the African American Men of Unity, the African American Heritage Advisory Board, and the City of Aurora. Uh, Yesterday was the hiring event at the King County Sheriff's Office, 37 West, 755 Illinois Route 38 in St. Charles, it was from 1 to 4 p.m. And I have to say, people got jobs yesterday. I kept telling you and telling you and telling you that you could get a job. And if you went, you might have got one. And if you did not, you sure did not. Um, so shouts out to our friends of the Kane County Sheriff's Office. Judy Dawson, what is up? Free paper shredding for residents of Aurora Wars 4, 5, and 6 will take place tomorrow, Saturday the 19th, from 8 to 11 a.m. at Jefferson Middle School. That's located at 1151 Plum Street in Aurora. Up to five banker boxes of canceled checks and other documents per person will be accepted. Bags of donations will also be accepted as well. Excuse me, documents. Haha. <laughs> Please remove binders and large clips. The co-sponsors of this great event are Bill Donnell, the alderman of the 4th Ward and 5th Ward alderman Carl Franco, call 630-256-3020 for more information. That number again is 630-256-3020. Last but not least, get ready for next Monday. Our state representatives, Stephanie Kiffewitt, Barbara Hernandez, and Keith Wheeler, are partnering with the Kane Senior Council and St. Athanasius Greek Orthodox Church to provide free frozen meals to seniors once a month from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on prescribed Mondays during the summer at St. Athanasius, which is located at 1855 5th Avenue in Aurora. Uh, The next date after Monday the 21st will be July 12th. After that will be August 16th and September 13th. Shouts out to our wonderful elected representatives. Last but not least, Harry Beast Dog Parlor. Get ready. July 25th. That's a Sunday. I will be on scene for this. 215 West Galena Boulevard. Come out and help celebrate the three-year anniversary of our friends and their great business from noon to 5 p.m. Food, cars, and really cool people. Shouts out. All right. And that is the news. All right. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. All right. For our listeners, 
and our viewers. Let us know who you guys are and where you're from. Uh, Jorge Ortega uh, with Ortega Brothers LLC. Okay. Uh, producers of the Gran Festival Colombiano in Chicago and in Miami. All right. Elvis Ortega, because I'm going to go on because it's the same with him, but uh, also from Chicago, also a uh, Marine veteran, and also uh, a member of the Chicago Police Department. All right. All right. We got Marines on the show. This has only happened, uh, hey, Marine, we only, it's only happened twice, I think. Had some Army guys on the show and a couple of Navy vets, so all right. Good to have a Marine on our show today. Um, so for... Those who are unfamiliar, El Gran Festival Colombiano. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today and everything. Um, give us a little bit, for those who are unfamiliar, with what it is. What kind of festival is it? Uh, talk about it just a little bit. Um, El Gran Festival Colombiano, also known in English as the Colombian Fest okay. Chicago. Um, it's in its uh, sixth year. 6.5 because... We got. Uh, we didn't do nothing due to the pandemic. Right. Uh, we were shut down in 2020, so we're back. The festival's back um, in Chicago at Humboldt Park okay. in a new location, a little bit bigger location. Um, July 24th and 25th. Um, you can find information on our website, ColumbianFestChicago.com. Uh, that's the the basic gist of the festival. Uh, and it's to celebrate the Colombian Independence Day, which is the official day, July 20th. Okay. All right. Now, you guys are born and raised in Chicago. Um, I was born in Barranquilla, Colombia. Okay. And raised in Chicago. All right. Yeah. I was a uh, first generation here. So this was my parents migrated in the early 70s. And that's when uh decided to make a child here in the United States. Okay. Um, what's the story of the Colombian um, immigrant, the Colombian migrant to America. Is it different from other Latino um, uh, uh, experiences yeah, and groups? Yes, I, I, the, the migration of the Colombians in Chicago. Um, I came, um, I, was, I was brought here with my folks, uh, my parents. Uh, my dad was, came first. Hmm. Uh, that's usually how it happens. Uh, the, the father figure or, or the male figure, uh, you know, uh, comes out and, right. and ventures out. Uh, so uh, there was a group of, of men that came from Colombia in, in the late 60s. Uh, wow. Late 60s, as our family came um, in that era. Uh, but overall, the Colombian population, there was a small group of people that came in uh, in the earlier part of the 60s. Okay. Uh, the main migration happened in the 70s. Uh, and then in the 80s, you had a big influx of, of Colombianos coming to the United States and Chicago when um, in the 80s, we had uh, a lot of uh, violence going on in Colombia at the time. Uh, you know, we had some some civil wars going on sure. with paramilitaries, FARC, and so forth, and that violence of that Pablo Escobar era, mm -hmm. that that led a lot of people to leave. Um, uh, so a lot of families came to the United States, um, you know, 
the, the first port was sort of Miami, uh, but Chicago always had a, uh, a strong presence early on. So that's why a lot of people migrated to Chicago because there was already a small enclave of Colombians here in Chicago okay. in, in, the, in the 70s. Okay. So now, uh, what was life like for yourself growing up, being young Colombiano? Um, Elvis, tell us first, and then we'll talk about what life was like for you being Colombiano as well. Uh, growing up, we grew up in Hobo Park. That's where we, uh, <clears throat> our family landed. And the tradition of stood in the house, for sure. I was always uh, <clears throat> speaking Spanish in the house. We didn't speak English until we went to school. And then uh, the music, the culture, and pretty much you grew up pretty much knowing everything about what it is about Colombia. Then, of course, then uh, growing up here, and you're right, people see us speaking Spanish, and then they think, oh, well, you, know, you guys speak Spanish, we thought you guys were, you know, African-Americans. Mm -hmm. We're like, no, you know, we're Colombians, and, you know, educating people about different Latinos, because a lot of times here, historically, it's like they think you're Puerto Rican or right. Mexican. And then now you create the Dominicans, there's Cubans, there's Colombians, there's I mean, whole South and Central America. Right. But uh, like I said, growing up, it was always a small, it was a, can't even say small, it was a big group, big family group. Like I said, my mother said about all the Colombians that came here in the 70s and early 60s. So they all pretty much stood together, played soccer, soccer traditionally. Soccer's a big, soccer's the sport, right? Yeah, that's you know, that's a, football, you know that. Football, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was huge. We used to always go down to uh, by Wilson Beach, by Montrose. Okay, yep. You know, Bob, there's always big soccer tournaments over there during the summer. And then you see a lot of pretty much everybody that came to Chicago from different parts of the uh, of Central and Latin America. So. Are you the younger brother? I'm the youngest of four, yes. Okay, all right. What, uh, what high school did you go to? I went to Amundsen. Okay, all right. Um, where'd you go to school? Uh, Calvin Park. All right, all right. So... Um, now, what year did you graduate high school? 93. And yourself? Well, it was a long time ago. A long time <laughs> <laughs> I'm a class of, class of 85. Okay. Class of 85 from Calvin Park. Um, being young Colombianos in that area at that time, uh, you mentioned family and the tight-knit structure in the household. What was it like with other people? Did you have to, you know, were Colombianos treated good historically in the city? And by good, I mean, like, in all aspects. Was it easy to find a job? That kind of thing. Employment, yeah. that, that, that type of stuff. I think that, you know, um, that our, our family structure, um, it was in, in when we first came here, I remember, like, our house was like the house everybody came to it seemed like uh because uh i mean my, my dad was a very popular guy he played really good soccer uh he was one of the first um uh players and and to organize uh the soccer leagues here in in um in, in here in chicago okay my dad ended up playing for some other teams um and they started at Junior de Barranquilla, the Chicago team, which was one of the first Colombian teams named after a city that was established here in Chicago. Oh, 
Interesting. Um, and then there was other teams that came along. But um, our family was always, you know, united. And, and my dad being a popular guy, everybody sort of gravitated towards our house. And then back then it was like, you know, when we lived in Obon Park, all the Colombians that ended up coming, you know, after us, mm. they always sort of stopped at our house. They, they knew my dad, and my dad was very friendly. And I think that back then, you know, it was a little bit, I think, uh, I, I, I remember experiencing a lot of racism, mm. you know, in the beginning. Um, and then in the school system that, you know, I went to public school, and there was a lot of, uh, you know, I went through a lot of challenges. And the schools at the time in the 70s, they didn't know what to do with us. You know, you guys spoke Spanish. You know, you you look Afri uh you know, our African descent. Sure. You know, like my brother said, we had to educate a lot of people along the way because, uh, you know, the 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 the, uh, the African diaspora is very huge, and and the education system here, you know, uh, unfortunately, did not teach a lot of that history. Right. You know, uh, all the history of. You know, there was millions of, uh, of slaves that were brought to, to Colombia, the port of Cartagena. From there, they dispersed all through, all through South America to right. work in the sugar canes and the coffee plantations right. and, and all that stuff. So, you know, being Afro-Colombian, our identity, that's part of our identity. You know, we have, you know, uh, African blood, Spanish blood, indigenous blood, uh, all mixed in, and a lot of the Latinos have that same mix, you know, and then that's why you, you know, there was a thing that we were saying that the banana, the platano, you know, if, if you look at the cuisine of, of everything in the Caribbean and in, and in the, uh, in Colombia, you know, it, it, there's, there's, you find one version of the different menus. All throughout. Of throughout, yep. you know, so, you know, it, it was like, the term was uh, platano power, you know, hey, <laughs> you know, that's what we ate. I remember when I was, you know, uh, when I was growing up, you know, that, that's what they, my mom would tell me, hey, that's what I would feed you, you know. Over there, you know, we didn't have formula, you know, you didn't have all these expensive <laughs> yeah. formulas that you have yeah. here, you know. No Gerber graduates yeah, and all that. that. <laughs> you, know, you, you liquefy the banana mm -hmm. and that was with milk and that was it. That was your... That was your food. That was your right. Um, so I like the history, and I'm glad that we're talking the, his the historical parts of this, too, because, you know, I look at pictures of Chicago in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and the neighborhoods are not the same. Different cultures and different things like that. Now we hear words like gentrification and things like that, right, where now the neighborhoods are kind of, going and changing everything like that. So one of the reasons why I'm interested in this interview and doing this is because like I I like the authenticity of, you know, cultures to still stay. You know, what I mean, I believe the sandbox is wide enough for everybody um kind of thing. And we're going to get uh, more into the festival itself. Um growing up, what impact did your mom have in you guys' life? Um well, I I think my mom you know, uh, you know, bless her soul. You know, we, we, we still have her with us. Um, it was, she was a strong woman. 
and you know she you know she's the patriarch of the family uh because i think that our family grew uh you know my mom was the first uh, of of her side of the family to come with my dad right so most of our family 90% of our family uh came from my mom's side that's okay. here in in Chicago on my dad's side was a very smaller family you know my mom had five siblings and one by one you know the the immigrant story is like you know my mom came she became a citizen uh, you know uh she asked for my grandmother my grandmother came she became a citizen mm-hmm. and then she brought the uh, her other siblings right. yep. and you know so we always had a family my uncles um and aunts and you know they when they came here our family started growing so that's why Elvis said our family's huge because when we do a gathering you know we say family mm-hmm. that's 30 plus people on any given day yeah a small little parties is a big production <laughs> i've had the pleasure of being to a few barbecues and family events out in humble park so i know what you're talking about you're like the whole backyard music you can hear it from way over there you can smell the food from whatever yeah so, so yeah, that that is yeah. it's a uh, yeah good feeling and i think my mom my mom instilled um you know really great values in us um and those values and those traditions uh is that we passed on uh to the festival and to our company you know we're a family based company or take of brothers like it is as brothers uh but my sister's involved in there too uh you know she she gets on about us on that mm-hmm. it should be your take of brothers and sisters <laughs> so, but you know the like why are you leaving why are you leaving yeah, me out yeah, yeah, yeah you know, but you know every uh my mom you know she kept those traditions uh the cooking was a big part of our family okay and my mom you know made the big soups okay we're going to talk about food hold on brother we go we, <laughs> we go get to the food uh i wrote that in here especially uh because the cuisine or um colombian is colombia is that considered central america or south america south america south america okay So we're going to get to the South American cuisine definitely. Um Elvis, so you graduated in the 90s. Yes. What was your first job out of high school? Well, I started working in high school. Okay. So, actually uh because of because of brother George started working at a young age, at 12, maybe even younger, passing out uh the newspapers, wrap them up, put the rubber band, that's my other neighborhood. Okay. And then even in the when Domino's first started, we worked for Domino's, passing out flyers and uh putting stuff on the doors. Got paid the pizza, I think. So, <laughs> so back then. Right. Like, now nah, you don't need money. Pepperoni, <laughs> bro. <laughs> uh, like, we'll, we'll take home pizzas to go. Right. But then uh in high school started working at a temp agency. Uh we used to drive down with my cousin. We drove down for like was it 5 hours an hour. Wow. 4 hours an hour actually. all the way to uh Burlington. Wow. From high, right after high school. Okay. So same here for uh, I always tell the story that we had a a Toyota that was was a convertible had no top. 
even the winner will drive it down just to work. Really? Yeah. Dedicated. <laughs> but those are values, like I said, was installed in us from our parents that they, every Monday to Friday, religiously, they'll go to work. Right, right. So it was like, and so, and actually out of high school, the first job I had is working in the factory with my parents. They, wow. They got us, they got me in the factory. My brother, so we always, Warner Ladder was called. Warner Ladder. The Ladder Company, Warner. Okay. Yeah, so it was in Franklin Park. So we always joke about that because a whole bunch of us, like my generation, our cousins, we all went through there too. Right. So you know they got us in the factory to work, but uh, that was pretty much it. I was there right after high school, and then that's when I decided, it's like, you know, we got to go beyond this factory, right? Because my parents started that, so I got to take it up another level. Yeah, I'm. Uh, just a quick note, just mm -hmm. to interject, with my brother when uh, I was in high school and I was actually already. I was graduating, uh, I was graduating, and uh, um, I went to apply to the same factory where my mother works. Uh, and I went to my mom's boss at the time, uh, you know, went over there, got, you know, suited up, went to get right. a job. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the first thing he said, he was like, uh, he told my mom, he said, listen, your, your, your son's too smart to be here. And he goes, you know, I don't want him to be in this factory, and that's all he's going to do. He's got bigger bigger talents uh, that, that he can do. Uh, so it was, it was, it was, it was a rejection because I didn't get the job. Um, but at the same time, it was a, a push for me to continue my schooling and, 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 and go to and finish, uh, go to college and finish college and become a professional. Um, I was the first of my generation of, of, of the Ortega Llanos family to actually graduate from college. So, you know, being uh, uh, fat, you know, you know, became, um, you know, it took me five years to get out of uh, Columbia College downtown. Uh, we worked, I worked my way through you know, like my brother said, we all, you know, I had, it was funny because the jobs that I had, eventually they, I would pass it down to, to my brothers and cousins. Really? I started out the newspaper and then, you know, hey, you know, once I went to the next level, these guys started passing out. And then also uh, when I started working for the promoter, uh, this one of the first Latino promoters here in Chicago, at the time, Cardenas Fernandez and Associates, uh, they were the first big uh, Latino uh, promoters that were bringing Latino artists to the States and Chicago. So I got in there and I bugged them and I got in there to work the summers Okay. when I was in college. So when I graduated from college, I went in there and, and ended up staying full time and I worked for like 14 years with them. Um, we toured, you know, big, the company became huge. Uh, but in those summers, um, I would hire, you know, the f local friends from the block, my brothers, my cousins, uh, for those odd jobs that I used to work. Right. You know, passing out flyers, uh, clean up, uh, you know, the cleanup, uh, running, uh, you know, product and working the festivals. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's how, you know, uh, we grew. 
together, you know. Now this is, so you're saying, you're talking about working festivals and everything, and I want to remind anybody listening or watching this that this was before social media, right? So you couldn't just take a picture, put a couple hashtags, and then boom, that's marketing, right? You, you're talking about being there and putting out the word and going places and actually foot traffic to, that's what it looked like, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think when marketing back then, um, I remember uh, it was just event marketing. That word just started. Okay. Nobody knew what the hell that was. Right. You know, and back then, you know, you had big companies. Uh, how do how do I get to these people? Right. You know, like, you know, so those those, the first festivals in Chicago. If you guys remember, you know, it was like Navy Pier, yep, uh, Olive Park, uh, you know. So right after the the Chicago Fest happened, and then when Mayor, I forgot what the, the mayor was at the time, but uh, Mayor Byrne, I think she was. Jane Byrne. So when Daly came in, then, you know, things started, when they started doing more festivals. But there was a festival series um, in downtown before Millennium Park and all that. So you you had an ethnic festival series that we shared. I, I had the honor to work in that festival series and move my way up. So you had the Italians, had the Italian fest, the Polish fest. You had um, the world. Um, it was like an African American music, world music fest. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they had they had that. We had. I think my dad met my. Mom. Something like that, yeah. That's a memory, though. My dad talked, yeah, yeah. boy, you don't even know about the earth, wind, and fire? Yeah. Oh, man. They would bring those groups. Yeah. They would bring, like, reggae groups and, and soul groups. And then you had the Pan American Fest, which was, you know, lasted, like, 14, 15, 16 years. And that was one of the first multicultural festivals that happened. Right. So I wasn't part of that team that grew it and, and, and worked it. And then there was the Mexican Fest. So, I mean, you had five or six festivals. Right. But, you know, it couldn't sustain itself. And after a while, everybody split up. And everybody went back into the neighborhoods because uh, it was getting too costly to do those events downtown. And then downtown, when they switched um, uh, the land that you have now, which is the museum campus, you know, this was before that. People probably don't even remember the old S-curb when they switched Lakeshore Drive to the other side. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's where the festivals were, in this plot of land, which is, you know, part of Grand Park now and the museum campus. Right, oh, wow. So we had to move out of there because there was no more space. Um, so you, so, uh, and uh, for you, Jorge, you were in the, so once you basically started within the festival series, you stayed in that series or in that industry. Yeah. Well, the, okay. that was my major. I mean, my major was, it was a little complicated um, because it was, it, at the time at Columbia College, they, you know, I did a sound engineering program. Got it. Okay. It wasn't a major. So I did sound engineering for two years. Um, but my main goal was to learn everything about event production from sound, lighting, and then the management program, I moved into the management program, which at the time was called AMP. It was called Arts Media, Man uh, Arts Media Film Management Program. Okay. 
So this was the management of all media. So which is the film industry, the TV industry, the radio industry, and then the events industry. Got it. Okay. So my major was all that. And, and uh, at Columbia College, I think that in the late 80, I was like 87, 88, like 88 around there from 88 to 92 was probably um, my classmates. A, a huge group of people came out of there. Okay. And today, you know, uh, you got uh, George Tillman, Robert. Those are the guys that produced uh, a lot of big award-winning, you know, films. You got a lot of the guys that are um, that were with us back then are, are right now today are in the media. You know, they're in Channel, Channel 44, 66, uh, other filmmakers, music. So that, that was a really good uh, year at Columbia College when okay. I was there. We had a great time, and we learned a lot about culture. And we brought in, I was part of the first group to do a Latino alliance there, that we, we brought in the Latino group together. So we, you know, since an early age, you know, I've been doing events. That was my passion. Right. You know, doing events, exposing the culture. So it, when it came to do the Columbian Fest, after doing many years of everybody else's festivals, that's when we decided, okay, let's, it's time to have our own, because there wasn't, there was a hiatus for seven years that there wasn't anything Colombian okay. for the city. All right, and um, so Elvis, now you became a Chicago police officer. Tell us, a, take me to the day that the day before you joined, when, what made you say enough of this? You mentioned like time to step it up a level, right? Uh, what was it like joining the force? Well, I was, uh, <clears throat> was two days, uh, some of my friends, we always talk about this grammar school, something I always wanted to uh, become actually. Okay. Get into law enforcement and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, growing up as a teenager, you know, we, had, we always got stopped, you know how it, sure. you know, it was back. So one of my things I remember saying is like, well, I'm enjoying it, but hopefully to change it, you know, to have a different, uh, approach people differently. Cause especially when you're from the neighborhood, I think you're better off knowing how the streets are. And, I completely agree. You know, you see, you know, who the characters are, who are not the characters. Cause you know, cause they're, you know, the, the typical stereotype that how everybody, just cause you look a certain way. Sure. You fall in the, in the category, which if you're from the neighborhood, you know who's who. Right. So then, uh, so eventually I went to the Marines. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna go to the Marines because I need to get education. Because uh, back then the requirements was at least two years of college. Okay. So to pay for it, it's like, you know, go to, go to the military, do my college, get the GI Bill. But the goal was that once I got out of the military, I was gonna be about 24, 25, I was gonna have my, at least my associates already. So the goal when I went to the military was I'm gonna get my two years of college while I'm in the military. Okay. So I didn't want to get distracted by that, even though it was pretty hard though, because I was in Okinawa. I did a year in Guantanamo. Okay, hold on. Let's <laughs> put a flag in the conversation right there. You're Colombiano in Japan. Yes. What was that like? Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty good. It's fun. Uh, it's because uh, start. I started doing uh, promoting myself as a DJ. So I started doing Latin nights in Okinawa. Oh, campus. all right. See. <laughs> so it just started, you know. 
that Ortega blood, man, it's 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 everywhere. I, I like that. I, I, yeah. I, I, I was sending over his. You recall? He goes, send, send me the music. What, what's playing over there? Right. And you know, back then, you know, we the only way to send stuff was like, oh, you make a cassette. It, yes. You know, yep. we were we were the cassettes were still around. We would send Elvis cassettes of like, you know, the stuff that was playing uh, here. Okay. He's DJing Latin music in J in Japan. Yes, and uh, mostly on the basses though. You know, the military sure. basses right. over there. But uh, yeah, like I said, because it, yeah, it comes from the family that whole music and always wanting to mm -hmm. come the weekend. Like, okay, where's the party at? Right. So then, being in Japan, and certain bases, I was like, man, you know. And there's there's always a lot of Latinos too. You know, you go over there from different parts of the you know the U.S. Sure. And you're like, oh, where are you from? Oh, okay, cool, cool. Connecting. So they just started uh, started DJing over there. You know, went by DJ Columbia was my name. Over DJ there. Columbia. <laughs> so you know, I gotta write that down, right? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. And I was surprised too, because in Japan there was a lot of, back back in that time there was a group called Orquesta de la Luz. So it was a Japanese band that played Sasa. This is the 90s. 90s. Okay, yes. all right. Oh. I was in from 95 to 99. So so in Japan, it was surprising. Yeah, they, they had a... They were into a lot of the uh, Sasa music over there, too. Okay. Uh, in Japan, which was cool. Okay. Because right? that's when I went to uh, Tokyo. We were there for a little bit, and then you hear... Uh, the uh, Japanese, most of them spoke Japanese and Spanish. I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Okay. Because I think uh, at that time, too, I think the president of uh, Peru, I think, was Japanese, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It was uh, Interesting. I got to look that up. Yeah, because there was yeah, a lot I think of, that, yeah, uh, Fuji. There was a lot of immigrant, uh, Japanese immigrants to to South America. South America, Peru, yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty interesting to see that, though. Okay. And you never let, lost that focus of, so you got your college. Yes, or, I did uh, my college. Got, got your, uh, it was rough, you know, in the military. Yeah, know, everybody wanted to go out. You know. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm glad you. <laughs> so I'm glad you bring that up because that's another aspect that I don't think a, a lot of people know about. You know, when you join the military, you are a small fish in a big pond kind of thing, and you meet people from all over the country, like you said. You know, you get to know people, you build relationships, and you forge bonds and everything like that. In that time of going out. We call it liberty in the Navy, but like, you know, that yeah. time of going out, hanging out on the base, something like that, that's really the only time you get to like socialize and be cool and have those interactions with people. Um, that's important. That's important, though. I, I'm glad you shared that with us. What was Guantanamo? Uh, Guantanamo in Cuba. Yes. Yeah, I've been there. It's They got big iguanas. Yeah. Iguanas like dogs. Huge iguanas. Uh, what was it like when you were there? Uh, it was after... The, the big influx of immigration they had with the, with the Asians, I think. Okay. So um, so we kind of had winded down. Of course, it's way before the the, the September 11th, the 9-11. So, of sure. course, it wasn't because that's, you know, that, what time would change totally after that. Okay. But uh, be, before then, um, it was pretty quiet, though. But you couldn't leave the base. Right. And then I always remember the movie with uh, Jack Nicholson. You could see the... The Cubans oh, looking wow. at you. A few good men. A few good men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's true though. I sit and eat lunch with five thousand Cubans, ready to kill me, and whatever he said in that movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and it's true though. You go on one side of the one side of the uh, the base, and then you and then there's the, the line where you can't you can't uh, the fence line, 
And then, of course, you got the towers. And yeah, yeah. you look at the watch towers, like, okay, you can see. Right. They have their top, uh, they have their towers on their side, and we're on our side. And then right. the cool thing at night, you could hear the music coming from the city. Oh wow! So you hear the, you know, the, the, the Spanish music hearing, and then me, I was just like, I would just sit out there and just listen to it. Like, man, I would love to go over there. And right. The other side, but, um, but it was cool there. And then there, it's still DJ, DJing, started something there, small. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of Jamaicans on the base too. Oh right. So. So, you know, got the reggae in there. Back then, the reggae gold CDs were coming out. Okay. So now it's no more cassettes now. This is CD time. CD time. Man, we still back in the day. <laughs> still taking it back. Walked around with the big book CDs. You know? Yeah, I remember that. Yep. With the pages and all that. Yeah. Yep. That was the show-off collection. Yeah. Because I used to have, like, the CD covers in there so you could see alphabetized yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Was, good so. times. Um, it was good. It was at like I said, I think the experience of military, for one, uh, the discipline was pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, the structure of, you know, taking care of yourself was good. And then, um, and seeing different things, because you, you grow up in the neighborhood, you see certain things only. And then when you go out like that, you get to see, meet be, uh, different people from different states. You know, right. I didn't know what dip was. Oh, uh, tobacco. True tobacco, yeah. true. You know, right. don't see it too much in the neighborhood where we're growing up. Uh, in the black neighborhood of my days, you did, yeah, like all the old schoolers, um, it was Beach Nut and Red Man, the big package with the big, oh yeah, just, oh, God, I grew up around spit cups. I remember, cups big gum. I remember <laughs> that, yeah, yep, yep, the big chew. <laughs> the big chew. Yeah, I remember that too. But yeah, that was pretty, it was like all that stuff was a good experience, especially coming back and as soon as I, as soon as I left in 99, that's pretty much I uh, got ready to take the police exam. Went from there. Okay. Was it easy? The uh, police exam? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was pretty, I mean, it's uh, a lot of basic knowledge and stuff back right. then. Because back then it was based off your test score. So if you scored high, you were in. So it's not a lottery like the way it is now. Now it's all, you take a test, you pass, but you're in the lottery system. You're not scored, right? Yeah, after the military, I, uh, I took the test for the Department of Corrections. And it was um, like a, I think kind of what you mentioned, like a point system and all that, like uh, I got so, I did good on the, on all the physical parts and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't make it because uh, at the time, you know, I didn't have a degree and all that kind of stuff. So someone who did have a degree in law enforcement got more points than I did. I didn't miss the test by much though. Looking back though, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get the job working for <laughs> DLC, you know. You know, I applied for there too, I didn't get called, which I'm glad I did. Yeah, look right when you look at back on it now, because my mentality and everything is is you know, I like yeah, I wouldn't want to work at like Menard or something like that. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm actually glad that uh, life turned out for me a little bit better. I got a job at a hospital after after I failed that test, so that was good. Um, all right, now El Gran Festival Colombiano. When did it start? How did it start? What was the genesis of that? The oh, beginning. What was the day? Again, take me back. Take me to the day before it started. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the, the story goes. Um, <laughs> well, this is the way. Uh, it, it humbly. It was a very humble experience that we started. When um, I had worked with a another organization, Colombian organization, that they they were doing a picnic. They did a Colombian picnic for many, many years. Okay. Um, and then they stopped doing it 
for about seven years. Okay, so in 2000, after those years, uh, you know, I did a lot of festivals and all that stuff. So what we did was, on uh, this, what year was that, 2000, the first picnic. Uh, so we, we, we did a picnic at the Forest Preserve. Uh, this was uh, two years from the official start of, of the festival. So you're looking at 2013, 14 around there? That's exactly. So between 2013, 2014, we did a picnic for my birthday. My birthday falls on that same weekend as the Colombian Independence. Okay. So what we did was that we did a picnic uh, and we did it more of a sound system style uh, of in Barranquilla, it's just the Pico culture. That's a whole other interview uh, to talk about. <laughs> All right. Columbia, uh, All right, we'll uh, do a part two. I, I hope we can get that yeah, part yeah, two, yeah. my brother. So, I'm <laughs> sound system culture is, is based on the Jamaican sound system culture, but the Colombian culture took it to a different level right. with art, music, and record playing. So at this time, we, we brought out a sound system out there, took the permit. We had a permit for a couple hundred people. And uh, this was right when Facebook was just starting out. Nobody knew what the hell was, was going on. So we did a little post, hey, we're gonna have a picnic. We invited all our friends and family. And then we, the first picnic, you know, I was playing records and, and we had all these people show up, more than what we expected. Okay. So that was- And there was a permit for only so many people. Yeah. So, we, okay, we, so we, this- we, we <laughs> So the following year, we did it again. Uh, and then we got another permit for more people. And that year, we took over the whole Grove. Irving Park in Cumberland. Okay. Uh, you know, they, they, they rent you the Groves, you know? Yeah. Okay, I got a Grove here, and the parking fits. I don't know how many hundreds of cars. Mm -hmm. So that day, uh, we took the entire Grove. I mean, the whole, like, they, they had, like, seven Groves. We packed all the seven groves. Yeah, for those uh, familiar with the for for those familiar with the park district that you're or excuse me, the forest reserve that you're talking about, you really gotta understand like how the layout is, what he's talking about with the groves. Yeah. yeah that so, is so that space is taken now. Yeah. Okay. So so you know, there's various groves in this huge acreage of land. And, you know, we brought out there and uh, we were DJing and um, that's when we first I first brought back the vinyl. Uh, vinyl records mm -hmm. uh, and I, I bought I was buying records here and there but majority of the collection that we play is my dad's collection okay it's my dad's collection um, that he's had for 30 something years okay you know stored in our house so we started playing those records again so that's the how it started so the following year in 2015 we moved it and put it as a festival which was at, at Caprenesis Center on Milwaukee and Lawrence in the parking lot of the Copernicus Center. Okay. I think the 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 the, um, the capacity was like 2,500, less than 2,000 people. Okay. We packed the place. Uh, we brought in a stage. We brought uh, one of the first groups that we brought was Gaiteros de San Jacinto, a folkloric group, Grammy-nominated group. That was one of the first uh, groups that we brought. Okay. It was a success. People loved it. 
um, and we celebrated the first uh, Independence Festival celebration that one, 2015. Okay. And then it kept growing from there. We did two years in that parking lot. We outgrew it. We went to Calvin Park in Hermosa. I went back to where I went to high school with uh, at, and we decided to partner up with the Park District at Calvin Park, and we did three years there. A very successful festival. Okay. Um, very cultural. We brought. Uh, we're the only festival here in the United States because there's there's various Colombian festival celebrations throughout in the biggest markets where there's Colombian. So, in 2018, we ended up. Uh, there was an organization that that um, they 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 looked at all the festivals all the Colombian festivals in the United States, and we got on the top 15. Big achievement. So, and then we, when I talked to the girl, you know, they came out, they, they looked, the pro, it was based on programming, cultural, signific cultural significance, mm -hmm. um, quality, um, and, uh, and, you know, community. So we actually ended up being number two that year in 2018. Uh, Houston uh, was number one. They had the biggest attendance, huge artists. And then in 2019, our last event that we did before COVID, um, we were like number one okay. in, in the nation. Um, the real quick, real quick. How did it feel to find out you're number one in the nation from what started as a party as your birthday? Um, no, like I, I mean, again, it, it, it's, it felt great, and it was like, it pays off. Like, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, uh, this is a passion for us. It's a business, we understand the business, but we take it a step further. You know, we, we take care of, 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 of the festival because it has a lot more meaning than just a regular business, gotcha. you know? And that's what we instilled in the festival from day one. You know, it's like, it's it's family, you know? And, you know, we're, we thank God all our patrons that support us over the years. You know, there's people that line up. There's this, this group of ladies that they line up, the fence, you know, where's the fence, the gate's still closed. Mm -hmm. They always wanna be the first ones at the fest. So they always show up two hours before everybody. Right. Uh, and this group of ladies been supporting us since day one. Um, so that, that, and then two, you have, we have a responsibility now. You know, not just as a business, but the festival itself has become, it's not ours. I, you know, my brother knows we, we tell people this all the time. This festival is not ours. Even though we produce it, but it's not really ours anymore. You know, it belongs to the community. You know, it belongs, it belongs to Chicago. Um, we get people from, you know, as, you, as you've seen, I just got a call from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. You know, that they want to come to this fest. Um, so it become, it's an important festival. It's one of the few cultural festivals that you have um, in, in, the, uh, in the Midwest. Uh, we bring music from Colombia, from different regions of Colombia. So this festival unites people. That was our first mission. Let's unite 
everybody. You know, this festival's always been about unity. It's always been about family. The same values that my parents instilled in us, that's what we have at the festival. That's, that's what makes this festival a difference. You know, people who know us, who see us, they see the passion. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to explain that to anybody. Right. They already know. We're, 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 we're people of few words, we're action. Everything we do is action. You know, we, you know so the festival um, is here for the people. And the people want it, you know. And the people tell us, hey, are you going to do the festival this year? You know, and people are looking forward to it because, you know, we've been locked up for a year and a half. Right. You know, and in that year and a half, we lost so many people. You know, so this year, the festival, you know, we're dedicating it to to all those people that we lost, you know, for COVID. Um, and then all the unrest in Colombia, you know, and all the unrest in the United States. We lost a lot of people. You know, we lost a lot of people uh, to violence. We lost a lot of people to COVID. In our own family, we lost four people in less than a year. We lost my dad uh, on July 1st, a year ago. We lost our grandmother uh, not too long ago. And we lost two close friends of the family that have been with us for over 30 years. You know, so, you know, it's, it's an honor and it's an it becomes an obligation, you know, to to produce the event, you know, because it's a it's a light, it's a the only opportunity that you're, you're gonna get this summer, right, to experience a Latin music fest like this. I mean, there's there's only gonna be three three Latin festivals in the whole city this year, you know. That's us on July 24th, 25th, right. You have two smaller fraction festivals, one in Pilsen, and the other on Division Street. You have uh, on Saturday they're going to open up the parade, and then Fiesta Borigua in September, and then the Puerto Rican festival coming back at the end of September. That's right. it. You know, normally you had 10, 10 or ten or twelve Latino events going on throughout the city. Right now, you, now you're down to four. So we got to take advantage of that, you know. And um, that, that was what we're honoring um, at the festival this year. It's it's become it's personal, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know, I've, I've been with other people. Oh, it's a business, whatever. I says, yeah, it's a business, but at the same time, it's personal because we have so much invested in it, not money-wise. Right. You know, we're talking about the time that we put into it the people the people the passion um tell us about colombian independence what what's the year colombia gained its independence um talk about that for a little bit well, i mean colombian independence falls on july 20th okay um and that's uh the, the day the traditional day we celebrate our independence from from, from spain, spain. Yeah. right okay so um the, the celebration, I think that, you know, um, historically, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been presented, but I think for, for what this year means a little bit more, what, 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 you know, we're asking and what we're doing is to unite the people, unite our Colombian people and unite everybody in the United States. Um, you know, we, we had a very turbulent, you know, 
era that we came into in Colombia in the last two months. You know, so kind of still going on too, still right? Still going on. Right. So we, you know, we understand that, and that, that's why we, you know, we feel that this event unites everybody um, and shows the world that hey, we can be united, and and we can fight and and stand up strong for for you know for justice and and love each other in peace. Uh, so that's that's something that 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 personally, that's what I see the event. You know, when we move forward to do it, mm -hmm. um, you know, that was one of the things that, hey, you know, when things go uh, in this country, America, you know, we've had a lot of bad stuff happen here. Sure. You know, 9-11, you had all the wars, and we always step up. You know, the American way's always been that way. And in Colombia, the same thing, hey, we're going to step up and, uh, and, and get united take care of what we got to take care of and, and move on and make it better. Tell us about the shirt you're wearing. Oh, the shirt. Let me see. I don't know if you want to see it. <laughs> it's a little big. I don't know if you can get it. I can get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was a custom shirt made for me. Well, for us, we, there's a couple of them. Um, and then this will go, this this character is a carnival character. This is a carnival, uh, carnival character. Uh, which is one of the characters we use at the festival. That's a guy. Right. Um, he's, uh, it's a Congo. It's called the Congo Grande. And the Congo Grande is a traditional uh, comparsa. Comparsa is a dance troupe that dance inside the Carnaval de Barranquilla. The, one of the second biggest carnival in the world is the the. Carnaval de Barranquilla, where we were born. Now, we were real, real quick, that's where, for those who are kind of familiar with it in American style, when we hear, oh, there's a carnival and all these places, that's where it came from, right? Yeah. Is that, all right, so that's the actual carnival. That's, yeah. There, there's, okay. There, there's, in, in, in studying about carnival, I've always been fascinated about that. Okay. And as a young age, uh, I always wanted to learn more about it, right? And we experienced it as as young when we were young. Um, and my my dad was, he would go every year in his vacation. We always take vacation at that time. So our family always been involved in carnival, one way or another for years. So my dad would always take his vacation in February or March. So because, you know, he never wanted to miss being in Barranquilla in carnival. So that, that energy of carnival spirit has always been in our family. So that transcended to us. So when we started the festival, in order for us to honor that tradition of our folks and our people in Barranquilla, the costumes, the culture, we decided to do a, which is today is called Gran Parada, the Great Parade. So we have a parade inside the festival. Uh, we parade inside the festival grounds in in full carnival costume, and we end up on the stage, and we do a big spectacle. So we have a cultural spectacle, as 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 honoring the culture of Barranquilla, as carnival. Um, our people are very very happy people, um, very party people, and we bring everybody into the party. You go to Barranquilla, 
no matter what race, where you're from, and you go into a street party, the next guy's gonna offer you a drink. Right. You know, and that's the spirit of, of Barranquilla. It welcomes everybody. The same thing with the fest. We wanted to bring that, those traditions, those values. We welcome everybody. Um. All right. Now, now, let's talk food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, food is very important, right? You know, in, in I agree. Um, as an immigrant, as an immigrant to you know, from Colombia, one of the things that, like Elvis had said, when we grew up, and you had mentioned, you know, my mom. So, so, my mom would cook our 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 traditional like weekend meal. Is, is called a sancocho. A sancocho is a stew, a soup. And my mom has this pot that, I mean, it's all, as far as I remember, that, that pot has been with us since since when I got here. Yeah, since way back. So I mean, that pot's got to be like 30-something years. And then there's a spoon. There's a spoon that my mom, she had, she had this guy, I forgot who it was, but... Uh, a, I don't know if you remember, there was a company called Echo. Yes, I, I do. It was, I think, on Pulaski and and Diversity around. Mm-hmm. They had a factory there. They were producing these steel before the Chinese stuff. You know? Right, They're yeah. American-made steel utensils. I remember, yes. And this utensil is long, you know, to, with the cup mm-hmm. to pick up the soup. My mom had it engraved with her name on it. Uh, so nobody takes it. You know what I'm saying? So it's been with us for another 30 plus years. So the stew and our tradition is like, that's what we had, you know, sometimes they will, my mom will make it on Friday. And that's what we would eat the whole weekend. And my dad, my dad had a, a, a my dad was a supero, sancochero. Yeah, that was religious in our family. I mean, to this day, I can't remember a weekend that we didn't have Sancocho in our house. Um, so people would come over the weekend. That's what you had. You offered the people. We brought this tradition to the festival, which was really cool. And I think, you know, people were talking about it back in Colombia. It was the, f- the first festival, right? So the first festival, the groups that we had at the festival, uh, we invited them to our house. Uh, on Monday, so whoever stayed, you know, like the artists that left yeah. on Tuesday or whatever, the people that stayed over. So we had a lot of our main headliners um, as to welcome them, you know, like a welcome, but as a gratitude to thank them um, and to make them feel a little bit like Columbus, hey, come to our house. You know, so our house, you know, we call it the compound. It's the Ortega compound. Mm-hmm. So we started... Um, since we had this tradition of the soup, you know, and, you, you, and the soup it had yuca, platano, you know, the green bananas, Ooh. you know, carrots, carrots, all that stuff. Yeah. And then sometimes <laughs> it, would be, it would be beef, you know, the beef shank, right. bone, white bone, you mm-hmm. know, neck bone, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Um, you know, it gets in the pot, cooks for hours, and it's delicious. Sometimes it would be trifatica, which is, Try it'll be like beef, chicken, and pork. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then sometimes just be chicken, or sometimes just be fish. You know, fish is fish heads. Yeah. Fish heads and tails. There's not. I, I listened to you talk about this. Anyone who's um, black or from the diaspora, look. There's the names and the the language is just a little bit different, but this has a lot of similarities. It's, a lot of it, similarities with uh, the African diaspora, Afro-Latin diaspora, a lot of similarities. I've had fish head soup when I was a kid. A little bit different. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the, th the thing, I mean, I remember doing the research and talking to the old people is that, you know, the stool is a symbolism, right? You, if you take it as a symbolism, what the stool was, it was when the slaves, you know, got to the to their quarters, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the... the, the the, the big house, right? You know, got all the good meat. They they you know so so far good meat. They didn't know what they were missing. Yeah. You know they they got the big the the, the cleaner cuts. The big juicy pork yeah, chops, yeah. all that. Yeah. But, but then you got you know when it came to the beef, you know the bone, the the uh, neck know, the bone, head, not a lot of meat. You know the neck bones, yep. the bones, the you know the foot. Yep. The the hoofs. The hoof, yeah. Uh, my, my dad was a big fan of of throwing a, a, a cow hoof in the soup. He would go buy it salted. They have them salted at the yeah. the grocery stores. So that was part of it. You know, so that's part of our culture as as Afro Colombians and Afro Caribbeans and throughout the, the sport is the same thing that happened here, you know, and and like the our food in, in the coast, the coastal town of Colombia, majority, you know, we're the darker skinned right. Colombians and in the Pacific side. So, you know, we, those are the stuff that, you know, you, you didn't get the filet on the fish. No. What did, what did you get? The, the head. heads. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, to me, the heads, my dad taught me, he's like, and my mom, all the essence of the soup, of fish head soup, is the head. I man, I'm, you, this is good history. I'm telling you, this right here is what you're mentioning. Yeah. This is beautiful history. It is yeah. beautiful history. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, food, my dad was a part of food. Is, like you said, food is a part of our life, and we bring that to the to our lives every day. So mm -hmm. we we made this tradition after the festival. We 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 do a big stew, and artists come. There was an artist that they called me. It was on Instagram or something like that. That the artist said, I want to go back to Chicago to go to go get some soup from the Ortega Park. <laughs> Sancocho. And that's how one other artist got to the festival. Because they were at a, at a carnival fest in Barranquilla. He shared the, the, that note with an artist. And he says, you got to go. This uh, it was um, uh, Velasquez. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, old accordion player, big master, we brought him in 2016, was it? Yeah, it was the first one. 16, one of the second artists that we brought. He was at the carnival playing in Barranquilla to like 70,000 people. You know, it was all these artists. They were in the artist trailer, and he talked to uh, Checo Acosta, which is a younger artist from Barranquilla, from Soledad, that we brought years later. Mm -hmm. And that's why I heard the backstory because they, 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 this was told to me and they yeah. sent me the video. They, somebody recorded him, um, Velasquez telling, telling uh, Acosta, Checo Acosta, man, you gotta go to Chicago, man. It's a wonderful festival. But the best thing, 
going to the Ortega house to have soup. You know, so beautiful. The, the, the artist, you know, the guy was on tour for a month. Yeah. You know, you're, you're out of the country, out of your homeland for a month. And when he seen that soup, we brought the whole musicians. Everybody took pictures at our house in our backyard. Man, they they ate that like like it was, you know, when you put a big bowl of soup with everything, man, they loved it because they haven't had Colombian food in a month. Right. Because they were on the road. Yeah. Um, can you, uh, Elvis, if you could, can you hold up that flyer for us so people can see that? Because I do want to go through a little bit. Um, can you tell us, Jorge, about the uh, who we got on there? We see some names. Charlie um, Cardona, Javier yeah. Vasquez. Who are these um, people? Okay, you have the, the lineup this year. Um, we have Oscar De Leon, who we had booked. Uh, he's been booked since 2019 due to the pandemic. Um, you know, we, we brought him back. We had a commitment with him, and he's a very honorable guy. He honored the commitment. And he's headlining our show on Sunday. Oscar De Leon is a salsa legend from Venezuela. Nelson Velasquez is a Vallenato. It's a Vallenato Colombian folkloric music. Okay. Um, and we actually brought his dad. He's, his dad was the one that came. Um, Aniba Velasquez came in 2016. Nice. Charlie Cardona and Javier Vasquez. Um, Legends of salsa singers from Cali, Colombia. Um, they sang with Nietzsche, Grupo Nietzsche. Um, Javier also formed Son de Cali. Uh, and we have Kevin Flores, which is from Cartagena. He is uh, urban champeta uh, artist. I can go into champeta in a little bit. So I think we might need like four separate interviews, yeah, so Joe. I'm, and, I could say all brothers right now. And Sate, <laughs> yeah, is a is what they call popular music in Colombia. Okay, so it's a um, like a country style mariachi uh, rancho type of music, mm -hmm. vocals with guitars, um, an accordion singer, uh, and then we have a host of other people. Uh, Nessie, um, we always have a, a young uh, reggaeton artist at okay. the time. Uh, Nessie, uh, we brought her aboard. Uh, she's from Puerto Rico, and uh, she's the one who sang the song with Bad Bunny, uh, Yo Perreo Sola. Uh, big song with okay. Bad Bunny, like 400 million, some crazy amount of views. Um, young girl uh, singing, you know. Good Elvis. You know, mm -hmm. trap, uh, trap and reggaeton. Um, so that, and then uh, Anthony Anthony used to be with La Máquina as Merengue. Okay. Uh, Ega Joel is another Puerto Rican salsa. And locally, um, we also have the Sonora Dinamita. Uh, and also locally, we support a lot of local bands. We have uh, Lucho Morales, Fiesta Vallenata. Uh, you have... Um, Monica Respeto, she was a big Colombian artist too. Uh, she lives here in, in Chicago now. Uh, we got another youngster that we support, Chris Little. Uh, he is an, an urban uh, artist mm -hmm. from the uh, Pacific area of Chicago. Uh, so that Columbia. from Colombia. I was about to say the Pacific area of Chicago. About <laughs> Walker. Sorry, Montrose Columbia. Beach. What you talking about? <laughs> He's that dude right there playing by the rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, so yeah, so we have you. We have always had uh, 
of that field of music. We try to have, you know, salsa, uh, vallenato, cumbia, um, reggaeton, uh, champeta, merengue. Uh, so we bring all of those flavors from, from, from the, uh, you know, Caribbean and Colombia. Um, in 2019, we had the honor of bringing Johnny Ventura, who hasn't been, uh, he's from Dominican Republic, okay. big singer, uh, big legend, hasn't been in Chicago in 25 years. And we brought him in 2019 with headlining Grupo Nietzsche, uh, which they just won a Grammy okay. this past year. Uh, Shouts out, man. Shouts yeah. out. And then also in 2018, we brought the legend uh, of Salsa, the bad boy of Salsa, what they call him in model, Willie Cologne. Closed out. Willie Cologne? Yeah. Old closed, school. Old school. Yeah. Find your records. Yeah. Oh, man. What? He, he closed out in 2018. So this year we got uh, closing out is uh, Oscar De Leon and, and also on Saturday closing out these two legends of Salsa, Charlie, and Avi. Man, Fania Records. Um, my favorite Fania artist was Rafi Pagan. That was, I think he was on Fania. Yeah, he was on Fania. Yeah, man. That's... They made a movie about that, right? There was mm -hmm. a Fania movie, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. About Fania Records or something? Yeah. No, no, the, the Pagan. I think they did a documentary about him. I'm not sure if it's out. But there was a movie, because he did that song. Um, um, man, I got the record now. It's the tip of my tongue now. Uh, it was an English and salsa mm -hmm. song. Interesting. Also with, uh, with Mark Anthony with Hector Lavoe. Based off of, of Hector Lavoe. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, we. But we, also, uh, was it 2018? We brought on uh, Suku All Stars from Africa. Suku oh. All Stars. Yeah, yeah. Suku's music. Um, as you know, Suku's music um, is real popular in the Caribbean. Um, a, which, which, Criolla, you know, our local Champeta which is based off of some of those rhythms from suku. So it's a sucus mixed with the local Colombian Cartagena Barranquilla okay. flavor. Uh, so we made our own form of sucus music, which we call Champeta Criolla. Okay. And we brought artists of that caliber, of, of, the, of, the, of the fathers of Champeta and the kings of Champeta. We brought was Charlie King, um, Abelardo Torres, from Annie Swing, um, and what we did in that year, we mixed the champeta of the of the youth with the traditional sukus music from Africa, you know, Congolese music. Right. So it was an honor, and we worked with um, with Mateo uh, from Old Town School of Folk Music mm -hmm. uh, to to bring that collaboration to the festival. So we had. The first time uh, in a Colombian festival anywhere, you had an African Sukus Congolese group, huge group. I mean, it was like, how many guys were like 15? Mm -hmm. It was a band. It was, and all these guys were all stars. Right. Everybody in that band played with all the big cats. Uh, and and the and the good the reason we brought it in is as part of our tradition that in my dad's collection. He had music from Africa that he would bring back from Colombia on his carnival trips, and he would buy the vinyl, 
bring him back home and play it at our record player at our house. So I'm talking about when I searched for these records and I looked at the date, there was a record in there of Suku's music from 1983. Damn. I didn't know we had this re these records until like years later when I started digging through the crates again. Yeah, digging through the crates. Digging, digging through my dad's <laughs> collection up in the attic. And uh, we, you know, we would play those records through Christmas and stuff. Right. And I started digging. I'm like, oh man, they play. I didn't know we had that record. So there, there, there's, there's a in our festival, there's five or six records, vinyls that we always play. It, I mean, we've been playing them since day one. You know, and they're gonna get the. Those are probably the only times you hear those records here in Chicago. Um. And part of, and part half of those records were. Are uh, Suku's music and Haitian, and there's a record from Haiti. There's a Haitian band. Mm -hmm. It's called Homenajes uh, a los Embajadores. Los Embajadores was a big band, marching band style band. Yeah. From Haiti, from 1981. The record. Holy cow! We still got. I play that record. That's that's our anthem. Let's be called. Dang. <laughs> that's our anthem, and that's a 10 minute record. They, oh, cause that's how, yeah, the instrumentalism and all that. That used to like the songs were long, yeah. long songs. Yeah, this isn't like nowadays. People think like you know, three minutes is a song. That's it. No, this was people, and not pushing buttons, making those sounds, playing the instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the guitar sound. Yep. Um, all right, a couple more questions before we follow uh, before we end. I I like to know from you guys. Um, I'll start with you. What is something? Uh, what's something the world needs more of? <laughs> this is like a song came to my head. Love. What was the song? Love? Yeah, I think there's too much uh, negativity I think that goes on here. Okay. Um, I see like uh, a lot of times in social media and there's always more negative portrayed. Right? It's, uh, even in the media too. On the news, First, usually five, ten minutes of the news at night, it's always about violence, violence. And sure. it's like, there's, I mean, I know there is violence, but there's a lot of good that happens too. So, but of course, we know good stuff usually don't sell when it comes to media. So, always gotta be something negative. So, to me, it's more positivity, uh, music, but um, also with music too. Music, you gotta be careful because some music is negative too. As we know, it's like a lot of, some music now is not even positive. It's just, no. you know, is, is there violence, depending on what you're listening to? Even in, in reggaeton, too, it's just all about, like, you know, it's all stuff between... The wrong stuff. stuff. That, the wrong stuff. Yeah. I have, a, uh, I have a an eight-year-old, and it's crazy because I feel like I'm turning into, like, my parents now. You know what I mean? Like, I can't let my son hear this, this garbage, what they're talking about. It's like, I you know, still kind of young. I get my, you know, sometimes I clean the house. I want to hear a little rap, but like it's very little these days. I can't do it. You know, yeah, I, I cannot. I, you can't play this garbage what they're talking about, and it, it bothers me because like, you see these young kids, and they want to do new music and they want to do do stuff like that. But like, how can you be 19 years old with this filth? You know what I mean? And it it is it is kind of. It's upsetting. I, I'm at the point now in my life where I like seeing kids play instruments. 
like play the piano or something, you know, play something with no lyrics because like you can't even trust the lyrics that you're listening to. And I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't like that. I think the time of hip hop portraying what may have been going on, I think that's kind of past now. You know what I mean? It's like there's still things that youngsters can talk about, but unfortunately, like we can't keep perpetrating the same, the same kind of thing. Um, Jorge, same question to you. What's something that the world needs more of? Well, I, I think, you know, I, it's, I mean, we need more compassion. I think compassion, understanding, um, you know, and love, you know, and I think that, you know, you know, be, being with all the stuff that, you know, happened, uh, you know, the, I think this year has been more, uh, you know, the, the whole thing being being locked up. I remember when when uh, I got COVID. I got COVID, and we had just lost my dad, uh, you know, and it was a very stressful and emotional time, you know. And then, and then to come and see, you know, uh, all this stuff happening, you know, on the screen, you know, mm -hmm. um, all the violence that erupted. You know, from from um, the movements, uh, you know, and 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 also, um, you know, all that negativity, right? Um, and I think that, you know, there was some hope, and I think hope is 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 uh, is something that we cannot lose. You know, when the darkest time, I remember, you know, seeing that the ravage of of what happened in the neighborhood. You know, I went back to, to the store that got looted. Um, in your neighborhood in you know, Chicago? Yeah, yeah, down the street from, uh, uh, and we were working with these pastures. And, and I think that that's what we stepped up, you know, because, I mean, we weren't doing nothing uh, as a company, you know, at the time. Mm -hmm. We were trying to, there was nothing for us to, to do. And I think that, you know, those values that were brought into us, we were, we were put into a situation that they called on us, right? Um, they need help. We, it was a moment that there was people that couldn't get any food. You know, so it, you know, I never seen this in this country, bro. We're, you know, 30 years or whatever, 40 years, you know, I never seen, like when we, we were working the food line, we were working the food distribution, that I would see regular people you know, asking for a handout. That never asked for a handout before. Never. I mean, I had, you know, and there was people, you know, families in need. You know, the, it was a horrible time here in Chicago and all over the United States. Yeah. I mean, we, we lived through a whole dark period. And then, you know, to, to see that again in my own country, you know, uh, uh, you know, the the violence and, and, you know, the injustice, you know, we have to, you know, I'm a person that I believe in justice, you know, you know, and, and, and it's hard to see what went on. But, you know, there was, it was hope. I always had hope because my mom always instilled that in us. You know, um, there's always that candle lit, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in our house. So compassion, understanding, and hope is what got us through, you know, in faith. Right. You know, no matter what nomination you are, uh, what you believe in, but 
you know, faith has a lot to do with it, you know. So I think that that's what we need, you know. And that's what got me through the dark time that we had, you know, with, with everything going on. And, you know, we stepped up. You know, we, and I, I, I met a lot of people, really nice people that, you know, that we were helping, giving out food. People came together. I mean, we had organizations throughout the city, the churches. A lot of people don't see this in the news because they don't know the backstory. Right. That's, the, well, that's to Elvis's point. You know, they, they seen the looting, they seen this, they seen that. But nobody focused on, you know, okay, we had all this stuff going on. But no, no, nobody, nobody took the time to come out to a food drive, who organized the food drive, who organized the... You know the, the you know the the activities. You know a lot of a lot of the, the churches stepped up. You know we worked with a lot of pastors to like hey this. You know and I see all these people that stepped up. You know they were unsung heroes, bro. You know in the neighborhood. You know right after the rise, bro. You know you're talking about we couldn't find food in the neighborhood. If you remember, there was no mm -hmm. stores open. Walmart closed. Uh, the the food pantry closed. The all of these stores were closed. You can for two weeks there was there was no food in 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 the, in the West Side. The same thing happened here on a smaller scale though too. Like a the Family Dollar got looted. It still burnt out and everything like that. El Huero was closed. All that. You know. So there, like, there, what was people gonna do yeah. the next day? You know what I'm saying? You know. I mean, it was unfortunately that you know, you know that some people took advantage of the situation. Sure. You know, and you know, Chicago's always been historically. You know, we've had a few riots, you know, over the yeah. years, and you know, the anniversary of the Division Street riot just yeah. passed, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, there's a lot of history here. You know, that's a whole different interview. About <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, that's part. That's part five right there. <laughs> but but you know, again, you know, we, you know, we're um, you know we're working with. Um, we keep working with other non-for-profit organizations. Other other organizations to, um, you know, to help out. So that's you know we're a social responsible promoter, and no other promoters does that. The show ends on a positive note. What is your message today for the people of Chicago? And uh, we'll start with you, and then Elvis will get the last word. Um, I think that you know we're coming to, to the what they say the, the end of the tunnel. We see the light. Right. Um, with this pandemic, um, and I just uh, want to thank everybody uh, who's have helped out and all of this stuff with, with the food pantries and helping other people. I think we got to continue that. Let's stay together. Let's stay focused. Stay positive. Uh, peace and love, and we will get through uh, as a city together, as a one big family. Elvis, same question. What's your message today for the people of Chicago? Uh, people of Chicago. Well, pretty much the message is not everybody's, uh, especially that word blue is not the enemy. Right? There's uh, a, lot of, a lot of things going on portraying that uh, certain people are bad, so they, you know, everybody's out to get you, and it's not even like that. So to me, it's like if everybody has the understanding, respect each other, you gotta give respect to get respect, as they say. So as long as everybody's respectful, and I think uh, not being so negative, be joyful, 
and just come together, music, barbecues, all that stuff's happening again. It's always a good time. But just respect, uh, respect each other, respect our neighbor, right? Right. And there's no need to be, uh, yeah, be considerate, be considerate. You know, when you're all hanging out, right? especially in the neighborhoods, there's no need to, you know, take over the whole street if you don't have to, right? Right. You know, there's always, everybody has backyards to go to and hang out with. Right. So. Keep the peace in our neighborhoods, peace yep. Peace in our neighborhood, and like I said, there's no, no better to come together and have a good time than the Columbia Fest. <laughs> On behalf of Good Morning Aurora, we want to say thank you very much to the Ortega brothers for their time coming in and letting us know about El Gran Festival Colombiano. Again, that's July 24th and 25th uh, in Humboldt Park, specifically Division, uh, Division and Mozart. You guys have the uh, flyer www.columbianfestchicago.com uh, for more information. And uh, to piggyback off what these brothers said, what we're trying to do with the show for those who've been following our show since we started, uh, positive. That's it. Keep the positive vibes, and we will all continue to grow and thrive as people. I hope that all of you listeners and viewers out there have a blessed, positive day, and peace to the city of Chicago. Peace. Thank you. Thank you.